Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Ah, there you go. Hello. Look at that, there's a cool cherry sitting on already. Is that a bed? Hotel for bed. Book signing a little bit. Oh, good. So what time is your book signing? It is at 6 o'clock Mountain. When you started this whole thing, did you know your life was going to turn into hotels and rental cars and everything? No, not at all. That's the funny thing about book tours is everyone's like, oh my gosh, so exciting. But you're like, it is for like the, you know, two or three hours of the book signing. But the rest of it is like airports and cabs and all that stuff. And fast food. Yeah, exactly. I'm eating great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get this thing started if you don't mind. Sure. Here's Sherry. Hi. Hi, Sherry. Nice to meet you. I'm Adam and this is Shannon. Nice to meet you. And we're calling you from St. Louis. Hello. One thing that I wanted to ask you is that obviously we know a lot about you guys and you have something like 1.1 million Pinterest followers, but I guess go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Uh, well, we're John and Sherry Petersick. We um, live in Richmond, Virginia, and we are currently in our third house, but uh, when we had shortly after we had moved into our first house and got married in our backyard, uh, we needed another project, and so we started renovating our kitchen. And in doing our kitchen, we needed a place to sort of document and sort of vent about the frustrations of do-it-yourself okay. and renovations. And so we started a website, a blog uh, called Young House Love, and it turned into this wild ride that now, here we are eight years later, sort of still doing it, and it had become a full-time job for both of us and uh, allowed us to write a couple books, design products, and just take us on this amazing adventure. And none, neither of you are realtors, but you were able to quit your job after you started doing the rehabbing, or how did that work? It took many, many years. We always say, don't quit your day job. We've written 3,000 posts over seven years, so I think a lot of people think, oh, I'll just start a blog and I'll leave my current yeah. you know, position, but um, I took a big pay cut to do it for a while, and then John finally came on years later uh, when we had our daughter and realized... If I didn't have a little help, I couldn't watch the baby all the time and do the blog all the time. So it really was a slow progression, but truly a big surprise to us because we never expected that any, you know, when you start a website in 2007, you don't realize that they can be a job eventually. Right. Okay. And like you said, we're not realtors. We don't actually have any formal sort of home improvement design, any sort of background in any of the stuff uh, that we write about just beyond experience as real homeowners. It's interesting because most of that is kind of like what people like anyway, so you can go to school for it and then it might be not applicable anymore, right? Because we don't use beige anymore. We use gray here in St. Louis now. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Or so, the hybrid grayish. Do you have grayish yet? I don't think Ooh, so. I have seen some of that. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the city city. Like oh. the core part, I think I've seen a few of that uh, in a few houses. I like it. <laughs> I have all sorts of questions I wanted to ask you guys about this backyard wedding, and specifically you said it cost $4,000, but I probably shouldn't take our time with you to ask selfishly my questions about having a cost-effective wedding. We should ask more about the... <laughs> Is that because you have a <laughs> wedding on the brain? Your wedding podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll save that for the wedding podcast, but Shannon's got a lot of questions for you too, so I'll let you kind of go ahead and start if you want. So when you were actually talking about your rehabbing or fixing out and your love of it, do you actually have other rehabs that you've done? We try to take on projects for other people. We've done things like fixed up his grandma's bathroom. It was like rusting and falling apart, and that was a really fun project. We drove to West Virginia and sort of chronicled the whole makeover. Um, we've helped his sister out. She's younger than us and moved into a few apartments. We helped her do stuff there. We also sort of on a larger scale um, decorated a whole um, – show house in Richmond for an event called Homerama where people 
you know, go through the homes. I'm sure you guys have homeramas out by you where they tour show houses. It's like a show house where, or like a parade of homes. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. The tour. Open home houses tour. Of like eight mm-hmm. builders and they're decorated sort of fancier and the homes are a little bit higher end. That was a really fun project for us because we're so used to doing things on a budget. And we definitely had a budget, but some of the materials we got to select were really nice and high-end, and that was fun. All the designers had a very limited budget in terms of having to decorate an entire house. And, you know, you know in the home you live in how much money it takes to make it feel lived in. And so um, the budget was very tight in that regard. So, yeah, we had to be creative in getting some of the things um, donated to the house as well. So tell us about your love of fixing up homes. How did you discover the passion? Was it from your first project and you just wanted to do more and more? Yeah, I mean, it really was born from necessity in some ways. We met working in New York City, uh, you know, rental apartments, and we realized we both had this shared kind of craving to put our own mark on a space. So when we moved to Richmond, Virginia, uh, we bought our first fixer-upper. And again, it was, it was born from two things. One, not having the money to afford the dream home that we eventually envisioned. And also realizing when we saw some of the homes that had been recently, you know, flipped or rehab, that sure they looked nice, but they didn't necessarily feel like us. And so we realized if we started from the place of a, a fixed upper, we could take that journey and put our own mark on it and choose our own finishes and, and really make it look like us rather than pay towards uh, someone else's choices. What do you think you see in a house that other people don't? I think it's easy to feel like when you see a house that it's so permanent like a home is you know it's as a big structure that's expensive it feels scary sometimes to think that you can change it um and especially going through lots of diys you know it's become apparent to us more and more that it's actually really not that scary and a lot easier to make changes to the home if it doesn't you know fit uh your vision perfectly because for, for instance i was so nervous about like the idea of adding electrical or lighting or plumbing or like even even opening up a wall or something just seems so scary because it was such like a, a big thing but it really it really isn't i don't know how to say yeah. uh you know it can be expensive it can be scary if you find something back there but for the most part like these there's professionals out there that can help you um you can get things a lot more affordably than you might think and if it gets you to the end of creating a home that works for you and fits your lifestyle and looks the way that you want like it, it really um makes it a lot easier to see the potential in a home when you first visit it because i think as realtors you guys can probably relate to someone saying like oh i don't like the paint colors and you're like look beyond the paint colors. <laughs> right <laughs> all like, the time are, right like people will say this is so dark and you tell them just take the curtains off or yeah you know, room's electric color so i think those are things um even if you do a tour and someone said, I would love this house if it just had a kitchen that was open to the living room and you see the wall and you say like for a thousand dollars, you can usually get a header being put in and you can open up that wall. So stop looking at other houses. If this fits all your needs, it would just be a thousand dollars to fix it. Through all of these houses, the three that you've done and your DIY projects, what are your biggest lessons that you've learned? One thing we just love to ask ourselves is sort of what's the worst that can happen. And if the worst thing that can happen is the house can collapse the house can catch on fire or the house can flood. These are things we love to turn to professionals for. So that would mean hiring someone for major electrical, major plumbing, and major structural stuff. But if the worst that can happen is I might not like the paint color and I'll have to repaint, 
that is definitely something, if you're looking to save money, that you can try to tackle. If you don't want to save money, by all means, hire someone. It's not for everyone, DIY. But if you have a desire to make a home look better or work better for your family, there certainly are ways to keep it budget-friendly. And one of those ways is just learning basic skills, peeling the wallpaper yourself, painting yourself, hanging new fresh curtains. You can even get them at affordable places like Target or Ikea. And um, I think, you know, just one of the things you've learned is doing things slow is usually a good thing. Um, it saves your budget and it helps you end up with a room that's really thoughtful. A lot of times we hear from people who went out and bought a whole furniture set all at once or they rushed to finish a room and it's not always what they love. But if they buy things slowly, collect pieces that have meaning from great traveling experiences or something they just can't stop thinking about, instead of settling on the basic suite that, you know, was on sale that weekend, it ends up creating rooms that you really love. And to build on that, I think one of the lessons we've learned is just keeping our expectations in check. Because I think there was this uh, instinct, in our, especially when we bought our first house, that like we need to fill it immediately. And we need to finish it right away. Right. And I think there's a, that robs you of a lot of the, the joy of the journey of it and also puts some unnecessary stress on you to make you feel like you need to finish it rather than let it evolve and build over time and really adjust to suit your needs. And then, you, and then you have it finished and you're like, we should have done it this way. Exactly. Well, you give yourself the time and the space to really think through some decisions and to find the right things and you give yourself room to make mistakes and correct them. If you're really racing towards some deadline, whether you know invented or artificial, you might do things more quickly or you might not give yourself the room to readjust than if you actually just give yourself the space to breathe and and figure it out. And let yeah, him along really naturally. Beat up a lot in the first house that didn't have it done in like three months. I think there was this weird thought like we'll have a housewarming party when it's finished, <laughs> which is like crazy. It's not finished for years. And now we fully embrace that a house is never really finished and it takes years to get even close to where you want it to be. So have the housewarming party and embrace the chaos and the mattress on the floor and the boxes. Um, your family does not expect the house to look perfect when they get there and I promise they just want to celebrate your new place with you. So, there's, there's a lot of freedom in letting go of those high expectations. Well, okay, so I'm curious, like, I have to imagine that you have a lot of friends that say, well, we need you to come over and do this at our house. And do you have any success convincing them that they can actually do it? You're right. That's the hardest step is just getting them to start. Because once people try one thing, it's like very, it sucks you in, right? You, like, realize how much money you uh -huh. save and you're so proud of yourself. So I just, we just always encourage our readers or anyone out there who wants, you know, something to look better but doesn't have the budget to hire it out to just give it a try. And I always say that not making a decision is making a decision oh. and it's a decision to stay frozen. So unless you want your house to look exactly the same way, you have to do something. And just doing that one small thing will build momentum. So for example, if you have 10 rooms in your house, repaint the smallest one first. It's the easiest. Maybe it's a bathroom. Maybe it's just, you know, like has a tile halfway up the wall, so you're just painting the tops of four walls, and it takes you two hours and half a can of paint. Just start slow, and you'll build momentum, and you'll build confidence, and then you'll be surprised. I mean, four years ago, John couldn't hardly build anything, and now he's like a master, master builder. Yeah. Wow, you guys are exaggerated a little bit. <laughs> but it's neat how the things that you're saying are kind of like the same lessons that they try to teach entrepreneurs, you know, it's like fail forward, just get started, that kind of stuff. So right. it's neat to do something. Yeah. And then the great thing about failing in terms of designing your home is that if you do something and you hate it, it may feel like a failure, but you've taught yourself that you hate it. 
You know, you, you've learned something you don't like, you can cross that off the list, and that helps you focus in on the things that you do like. Right, because learning what you don't like in a room is just as valuable as learning what you do like in a room, because it can save you money and time down the line from making that mistake. So once you've kind of checked off the box of like, nope, I tried a dark color and it looks crazy, so I'm going to repaint it lighter, you now know in your 10 other rooms, maybe I'll stay with a lighter palette because I like that. Now, are, do you guys just kind of pick out everything, all your colors, all your little rugs? I mean, I, I look at your um, website, and it's very bright. Do you do it yourself, or do you enlist any help of maybe a designer to give you direction? We do everything ourselves, but we're definitely influenced, and we always say we have to thank you know the inspiration out there on the Internet, fellow bloggers, designers. We love reading design books and magazines. We watch design shows. So it's certainly something that... Um, We've sort of, we're self-taught in the way that it's a passion and we love to learn about it, but we definitely recognize that there are experts who might do it better, but, you know, as as non-experts, the best way we can get close to their experiences would be to keep trying and to just sort of aim high and look at inspiration pictures and sort of draw out what we like about those spaces. Even if we don't have that budget, maybe we can adapt that color palette or that layout and use it in our home. And for someone who doesn't have either the desire or the means to hire a designer, um, you can also rely on the people who, who work at the stores that you're shopping from a lot. Like, if you, for instance, a local fabric store in our hometown comes to mind, that they're so knowledgeable about fabrics and what goes together that you can go there just as a shopper and get a lot of um, help in making those decisions just by having that outside perspective. So you can still get some design input if you feel like you need that assistance by relying on some folks like that. And so what's been your favorite project? Ooh, that's a good question. It's a really good question. I think one of our favorite rooms to design is always children's rooms, whether they're nurseries or they're, you know, we have a five-year-old daughter, and we did a room for her when we moved into our current house, and she wasn't a baby, but it's sort of a childlike, playful space for her. She was, I think, three when we moved in, and um, those are fun, I guess, because you just, there are no rules. I mean, there shouldn't be rules in any room, but especially in a kid's room, you just can kind of, like... Both of our kids have a bright, colorful closet door in their room. Our son's is like a bright emerald color, and our daughter's is like a pinkish red watermelon color. And everyone walks in the room and goes, that's so much fun! And it's not like the main door, so it doesn't look weird off the hallway. It's just like sort of in the room, and it's a pop of color. I think those giving yourself sort of space to experiment and play helps their rooms just feel that much more special. And I think getting their stamp on it, you know, our daughter's old enough to say what she likes now, and it's really fun to get her involved feels like we're like fostering that love of designing her and sort of honoring her choices. And I always love projects that are kind of um, teach me new skills. You know, like um, in our second home, I laid a patio for the first time and had to learn how to do that. And yeah, I was freaked out when I started. I probably freaked out several times during it. But at the end, like having it done, there was such a sense of accomplishment that I'm glad that I wasn't scared off by the, the intimidation of it up front. I bought a house recently that I did a bunch of work to and one of the things that was really important to me that I ended up doing basically none of was I wanted to have like an automated house, you know, oh, yeah. with yeah. like thermostats and all that kind of thing. And yeah. so we got cameras, but we still have our old thermostat. You guys are obviously in the know with your own product line and all this kind of stuff. What are the kind of the cool automated house things that you can do or any ideas or tips or anything like that? Well, we have a Nest thermostat and really love it. That you can control from your phone, I guess? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So saved up for it. Um, it's not inexpensive, but it's so cost-effective in the energy savings it gives you that it basically pays for itself. 
So okay. it allows, it tracks your movements and sort of knows how you are as a family, knows when you're home, learns when you're gone. And it turns itself off when you're gone. It has auto away, so it'll just shut itself off. Oh, wow. It's amazing. We'll go on vacation, and we'll be an hour into the drive, and I'll check it on my phone. It will say auto away. And it will stay off the whole week. And it's great because then if we're like an hour from getting home and we want to like cool the house off or heat it up, depending on what season it is, we can get on our phone and do that ahead of time. Okay. And then, yeah. My favorite thing about it, though, is when we're laying in bed and we're hot or cold, we just pick up our cell phone. <laughs> it's the sight of laziness. It's right. awesome. It's amazing. You don't have to get out of bed and you can adjust the temperature. So, and I love that it learns. And it tells you every month how much you've saved and what percentage of energy savings you've had from other homes that didn't use it. And so it's, it's sort of it makes you competitive in that you want to save more and more every month. So it makes you really turn it down or up depending on when you don't need it. You know, it helps you conserve my next okay. thing I'm looking at are those automated light bulbs. Have you seen those yet? No. Um, what are those? They're like Wi-Fi connected light bulbs. Um, I forget who makes them, um, and I don't want to say the wrong thing, but mm-hmm. you can control them from your phone. And so it's great for, uh, you know, if you're away or out of town, you can set timers on them. There's also some where you can choose any color on the spectrum to make the light. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, oh, yeah. We have, like, some friends who are graphic designers, and they love it because they said, oh, at night, soothing light, I think is... Mm-hmm yellow light maybe and in the morning the light that wakes you up is blue or something and so they set it so literally we're like we gently wake up our light turn, dims itself and turns itself on and it glows and it's wonderful and I don't know if we're that yeah, I don't know if the cost is, is there yet for us but yeah, those but are probably expensive per bulb right the whole system um, at Home Depot and Lowe's I think they each sell a different brand but it's automated from your phone so you can unlock the doors so if like a contractor's coming over but you're at work you could unlock the door and let them in mm-hmm. Or you also can even control the doggy door. So if you want to let your dog out at a certain time, you okay. can open the Oh, my dog. God. Automated doggy doors? Exactly. Isn't that amazing? You oh, my God. Dog. We're totally, like, yeah. I'll have to look those up. <laughs> Do you guys mind if I ask a little bit about your products? You guys have products now, right? Yeah. And tell us a little bit about them and kind of how that got started and what are your favorite ones. And I'd like to hear more about them. Sure. I mean, I think... The surprising thing is none of this was anything we ever expected, but when we wrote our first book and it came out in 2012, it actually got on the New York Times bestseller list, which was a shock. I mean, it shocked the publisher, it shocked us. Um, And I think that's when brands started to say, like, wait a minute, maybe, like, this is someone interesting to talk to about, you know, endorsing something. And I think people came to us about endorsements and we more were like, we have ideas for what's missing in the market. Let us make it with you. And so that's how... um, we did a collaboration with a, light, a local lighting company called Shades of Light. They mm-hmm. sell nationally, so it was a really fun way for us to... But they're based in our hometown. Yeah, to work with someone local, but do something that anyone in the country could get a hold of. And um, from there, we started creating a line of hardware, and that got picked up by Target. And it was sold um, as Young House Love for Target, which was amazing. And then we did a collection with Home Depot that now might be ongoing. So we're working on more designs with them as we speak. So and that's, that, that's um, hardware or what is yeah, that? Yeah, so, it's like hooks and rails and knobs for dressers and lots of metal things, some acrylic things. Um, it's actually just a manufacturer we started working with makes that stuff and we were like, oh, I'm always looking. Like an example is Home Depot didn't sell gold hardware. Like and, cabinet knobs. With and gold are. is like very in right now and it's super expensive if you get it on a website. And I think... Um, some people want to hold it and touch it in a store and they don't want to order it online. So um, it was really fun with us to sort of create these items that we know that we would like to buy and hopefully others might. And um, it has been great to see them, you know, being purchased all around the world. Yeah, you're kind of setting a trend because if people go to Home Depot and see it, they buy it, it's in their house, and now it's the cool it's, thing. 
it's, it's really crazy. exciting when we see things show up. Um, an octopus hook we designed for Target ended up in like a TV show in the background on the set. <laughs> and we're like, no way. I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't a show we watched, but one of our readers took a picture of their screen and was like, look in this fake kitchen. There's your octopus hook with a dish towel on it. So ah, that was pretty cool. cool. So how do your lines differentiate from what's out there? I mean, I think we just try to do something that um, is sort of a missing. So, you know, I think using um, different materials or finishes, um, maybe doing something a little bit more modern. I mean, the octopus hook is an example of we just thought if you're making a cute bathroom for your kids or like a nautical room, maybe for yourself, you might see a bunch of just like S hooks or J hooks. But we thought how fun would it be if the little tentacles of the octopus held the towel up? So it's more, you know, like, a lot of the stuff, there's a lot of things that have a little bit of a like quirky wing to it or a lot of color to it. Um, and also, um, we're very cost conscious because ourselves, you know, we, we look for good deals and things that can fit within our budget to make our rooms beautiful. So that was one of the things actually with the lighting that we did with Shades of Light where we said, you know, we want to we want to keep a price cap. And when our first collection came out, everything was $99 or less. But they it gave everyone a, a way to get some of these higher-end looks without spending the higher-end price tag. And we also like a DIY component. So our new art collection with Home Depot, we have um, like hardware that you can pop out the, the color insert. And so you could spray paint it or change the color and put oh, it back in. That's okay. so fun. You could do like a... It's easy to hack. You know? Right, like a pattern or in a kid's room, you could you'd spray chocolate and use a chalk pen and write like socks, underwear, or whatever's in each drawer. So we thought it was fun to sort of personalize things that way. That's okay. super cool. I get. We probably have to start wrapping up, right? You guys have to go sign books, and you got your public probably lined up somewhere. Um, I've got my short five questions that I like to ask everyone. But do you have any like? Well, do you want to tell questions? us about your new book, the newest one that just came out? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that book. Cool. Well, um, our second book it's called Lovable Livable Home. It just released uh, this week, uh, and. It is all about celebrating homes that are meant to be lived in, not just looked at. Mm-hmm. I think especially being entrenched in the design community, sometimes we get so um, excited about these beautiful homes that can inspire us that we sometimes forget that homes also have to live in reality. Yeah. And reality has messes and, and, kids. and remote trolls <laughs> and kids and pet hair and all those Trums, things. Yeah. So yes. we wanted to take the approach of not kind of shuffling those things to aside ignoring them but also saying like you know we all deal with this like let's figure out how these things can live together in beautiful functional spaces that mean something to the people that live there cool. because your house doesn't look like it looks in the pictures for the website all the time probably right right I mean, oh yeah not- and we love showing people we'll do a super removable show like pile of junk next to the camera <laughs> <laughs> yeah every once in a while we used to do a, a youtube video that we call a messy house tour where we would just like walk around our house we had not moved a thing like if my bra was on the chair my bra was on the chair <laughs> nice <laughs> okay anything else we forgot to ask you well, anything... we're coming to st louis on the book tour yeah we're gonna next be friday next friday so october I don't know, 2nd october 2nd is when we're going to be at uh, the st louis public library i believe but all the details are on our website oh, okay awesome. we've got the flyer oh, we got here. It. yeah so it's the second FBM. the st louis county library headquarters oh in Lindbergh and uh frontenac area so okay. we'll be there um, giving a short talk about some of the things we just mentioned and sharing some pictures from the book and then signing books. And so that's at 7 p.m. See everyone. We have never done a St. Louis signing before, so we can't wait. Well, everyone will be happy to have you. Your website is younghouselove.com, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. And um, I'm going to ask you the, just the quick questions I like to ask everyone, if you don't mind. 
Sure. So like my five quickies. So, A, I'd like to ask, who lives under your roof? Uh, it's myself, Sherry. We have two kids, um, a five-year-old daughter named Clara, a one-year-old son named Teddy, and a chihuahua named Burger. Okay. And where are you your best? This sounds cheesy, but I think I'm my best at home because I'm I'm my most comfortable and I'm surrounded by the people that know me and get my sense of humor. Uh-huh. And, and so I think we always like creating spaces where we can feel comfortable. So I'm, I think I've, we've succeeded at least in our house so far. That makes yeah. sense. You're just going to steal my answer. Well, I was going to add to it. I think we're our best at home and we're our worst in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that, that'd be true for a lot of people. Don't worry. <laughs> and do you have a favorite blog or podcast other than your own? Well, we have so many. It's hard to play favorites. We certainly have been really inspired by the design community. We love a, a website called Design Sponge. We have a really good friend who's a blogger. She writes a blog called Bower Power Blog. Okay. We really love one called Making It Lovely based out of Chicago. And podcasts, we really, we've been listening to a ton, but I guess what are our favorites? Um, Wait, wait, don't tell me, because we love trivia. Yeah. <laughs> and um, startup is really interesting to us. I think just as people who started our We're all over the place topic-wise, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, number four, what is your guilty pleasure? Dark chocolate. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Real Housewives. And The Real Housewives. <laughs> ah, which one? All of them. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And what's yours? Well, not The Housewives. Um, at least not all of them. Yours is soda. Yes, probably so does my guilty pleasure. Okay. And lastly, who is your mentor and how have you thanked them? Oh gosh, that's Ooh, a good that's question. That's a good one. I mean, I also feel like that's there are many answers to that. Because I think the strange thing about us is we've done so many different things. I mean, there's an author named Gretchen Rubin who I feel like has been a huge inspiration to us. And she um, wrote the sort of the... Um, the Happiness Project was her first book. It was a study about... Um, Happiness. Where I was going to say, she wrote that our first book needed like an author to say something about it. And so she wrote sort of, she read our book and made the blurb like from best selling author Gretchen Rubin and she said something wonderful about our first book. And we've always been so grateful to her and, you know, wrote her a big thank you. And I think that we all have to help each other. And she actually started a podcast recently called Happier. That's another recommendation. And I, I actually wrote her an email a few weeks ago because I had she had done a podcast about taking time to say thanks to people, and I was like, you know what? I should say thanks to her. I'm enjoying your podcast. You oh, probably cool. would like to know. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I hope you guys have a safe travels, and we'll look Thank forward to seeing you, you in St. Louis. And thanks so much. We good appreciate it. Good luck on all your future projects. Yeah. Good luck, and keep on good writing. Nice too. Great talking to you. You too. Thanks. Take for care. Thanks again so much. Bye. Have a good one.